Brace yourselves for the devastating consequences of democracy. I'm Scott Ott with Bill Whittle and Stephen Green. This episode of Right Angle is brought to you by the members at BillWhittle.com. And gentlemen, uh, in recent days, Argentina has elected a new president by a rather convincing margin, something like 56% to 44%. And they chose a guy who I'm, whose name I'm going to mispronounce as Javier Millet. And Javier was a former TV personality um, and also somebody who believes that uh, most of society would be better off with a lot less government. Um, I'm not going to get into the specifics of, of what he recommends, but what struck me here, Stephen Green, is more the reaction of the U.S. media, and specifically um, the New York Times, as well as uh, NPR, which I listened to the morning of uh, after his election. And the headline in the New York Times, and I, I want to make sure this is actually the Times, I never understand why newspapers online don't put the name of the newspaper on every single page. You're looking at it, you're going, what What page, what paper is this? Anyway, for their reporters in Buenos Aires came up with a story that then the editors in New York headlined as, Argentina braces itself for its new anarcho-capitalist president. Argentina, Steve, braces itself for the guy that a, a, a large majority of people just elected in Argentina. Why, Stephen Green, can you tell me, should Argentina be bracing themselves for the consequences of what they just chose to do? So, you know, when you, you're young and you, you drink way too much one night and you wake up somewhere that you don't recognize and you think, Oh no, what the hell did I do last night? Well, that's not what happened in Argentina. No. <laughs> they had an election. Voters went in. They had their preference. They checked their box or however they do it in Argentina. I don't know. And then they got the results uh, very, very quickly, by the way. Uh, in fact, somebody pointed out that Argentina counted its 25 million votes in just, just a few hours, whereas Arizona couldn't count its 2.5 million <laughs> votes uh, over the course of several days. So clearly they've got something going on there that we, maybe we need to be taking notes. But Complete mystery. It's, uh, it, it's a miracle how many Americans came here, even if you have to go back centuries, uh, to escape from Europe. But then how many of Europe's bad ideas that we presumably wanted to escape from that we have since uh, re-imported? And one of those is this foundational idea in Europe about what democracy is. And as we've seen in the European Union over the last 20 some years, is that democracy means holding the vote on a particular issue, the num however many times it takes to get the desired result, and then to cease <laughs> holding votes on that issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um we we've seen this time and time again. I think I think it first happened with Ireland was voting on some on some EU whatever it was, and the Irish voters voted wrong. So they scheduled another <laughs> vote. And the the damn Irish, I guess they did get drunk and and pass out and wake up somewhere. Oh no, they they voted wrong and we gotta hold a third vote. So they on the third vote, the Irish finally got it right and the issue is settled and no more votes shall be held. Um and we brought that that attitude here from Europe where so many of our bad ideas come from, where democracy is uh, getting the result that the elites want. Now, demos means the people, I, I, I thought, but no, no, no. Uh, democracy is when the, the, the people 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, approve of the result that the elites already had in mind before the vote hmm. was held. And so, certify it or validate. Validate, I think, is endorse. I think is the word I was yeah, looking for. Uh, and when the people fail to do this, it's not democratic, Scott. It doesn't matter what the result. It doesn't matter what they're what the voters wanted. It's not the correct result. So that's not democracy. Democracy is when the elites get what they want. And the sooner you realize that, Scott, um, no, you're not going to realize that. You're one of those idiot <laughs> voters who always gets it wrong. Well, Bill Whittle, um, you know, among the things that uh, that Javier Millet uh, plans to do um, is to uh, privatize the state-owned energy company, uh, privatize the state-owned media companies, and uh, privatize almost everything that he can possibly privatize. Uh, he also wants to dollarize their, their economy, and there's some dispute about various ways to do that. But nevertheless, oh, and also get rid of their their equivalent of the Federal Reserve. Um, and so whatever his individual proclivities are and whatever he's able to accomplish, uh, I was listening to NPR, and then they went to their their international news, of course, has to be provided to us by the British. Um, and so the BBC News, uh, the Beeb is giving us their impression of things by interviewing people. And basically the only question that the BBC reporter had over and over again was, well, what do you think we're going to do? What is what are Argentinians going to do now that this guy has ascended to power? Um, you know, they didn't say that, but it was basically like it was as if it were a military coup in Argentina, and he just took over. And now, oh my goodness, what are the terrible consequences of this situation? Um, Bill, why is it that democracy is the banner of the left? until the people get what they want. When I wrote, um, and it, it's about done uh, finally after many, many months, when I wrote this um, latest history series for Daily Wire uh, called An Empire of Terror, I thought it was going to span the entire length of the Soviet Union. And what I ended up writing was nothing like what I thought it was going to write because everything came back to Lenin. No matter where I went, it all came back to Lenin. Not to Stalin, came back to Lenin. Yeah. And in, I think it's episode four of that series, right after the revolution. I think episode four is called The Weapon of Democracy. And Lenin basically said, we are not going to put our revolution at risk by allowing the weapon of democracy to take it away from us. So there was one, one session of a constituent assembly that was freely elected for the Russian people. They led one session, and then Lenin locked the doors because he knew that democracy meant that his Bolsheviks were going to be thrown out. And it's just that simple. When you, when you think about it, all of these dictatorships have learned a long time ago that if you, if you throw in, uh, two words into their, into their tyrannical governments, it will have the feel of a free country. One of those terms is democratic and the other one is the republic. Now, if you add the peoples, then you get the Marxist element. So if you say the people's democratic republic of, you know, you have the perfect storm of tyranny. The reason that the, that the, that the times and the Beeb are so upset about this is because I genuinely think it's it's out of genuine astonishment because their belief that that the people are not smart enough to govern themselves is so intrinsic to them that I don't think it's something they even think about. I, I don't think they think, well, you know, they're going to vote differently than our policies. I really think that these elitist idiots think that they have voted for something other than government control and now they're headed to ruin because there will no longer be smart people making decisions for these idiots. 
And therefore, God knows what's going to happen to them. And, and this is why, this is why of all of the terms that I've heard throughout history, you know, left and right, well, right, you know, the, the left says rights are Nazis and that's a European decision and conservatives and liberals is changing Republicans and Democrats, all of it. There's only one term I found throughout four history series that I thought was consistently true and, and unchanging. And that was collectivist and individualist. That oh. is the, that is the fundamental distinction that I could find that, and those terms are the only two I could find that are consistent throughout all of history. The collectivists believe that society has to be rigidly ordered, and that means they don't they don't say this part out loud. Rigidly ordered by them, so that the stupid people will not end up doing stupid things. Individualists believe that individual people working through something that pulls a vast amount of people, like the market, for example. We'll come to the best solution because we think 300 million of us are smarter than any five of us in any given room. And we're damn right about that, too. The problem with an elitist is, as I said a long time ago, is that an elitist thinks that he knows more about running a gas station than the guy who runs the gas station. And, and therein is the problem. So Argentina, after struggling on and off, up and down with economic problems, has finally decided that their government has not been in working in their best interest and, and, to conservatives, we say, you're about to have a, a really good, good, good experience because we believe that all of us together are smarter than any one of us. But that's not what elitists think at all. And, and ultimately, Scott, the, the, the elitism of the, of the New York Times, the BBC, the Democratic Party, progressives in general, is predicated on a sense of sort of neurotic, um, imposter syndrome, neurotic inferiority. If these people actually believed that their ideas were as good as they say they are, then they would welcome debate instead of shutting it down. They would, they would be able to explain to you why this is catastrophe instead of telling you to brace yourself for something that we don't know. They would be able to show you examples of where five guys in a room provided a better decision than 350 million people making real-time decisions in the real world. They can't do any of these things and so they have to silence the opposition. If they can't silence the opposition, they have to discredit the opposition. And this is the first step of that process. As, as uh, Steve mentioned, uh, we, we talk about Brexit, and, and Britain is out of the uh, European Union now. But it took two votes. They got it wrong the first time. And then, the, and then the, the smart people said, well, you've obviously voted incorrectly by voting to leave the European Union. Let's delay this for another three, four years, and then we'll vote again, and, and then you, you know, and then you'll wise up. Well, it turns out that they that they again. It, I can sum this up in one sentence: Progressives believe that the political class deserves a better kind of electorate, and uh, and and therein is the problem. Who's in charge here? Who works for who? We believe that the government works for us. They believe that we work for the government, and the. Uh, Evidence is not equal on these two sides, not even close to equal. As a matter of fact, it's about as far from equal as it can be. No one has ever, ever taken a raft and floated south to Cuba to get the free health care. That's never happened. No one ever got shot going over the Berlin Wall trying to get into East Germany. That has never happened. So there you go. There's your evidence. And evidence like that has to be suppressed. Well, Argentina has elected a, a guy who has sideburns like Wolverine and whose uh, tousled hair he describes as having been styled by the, the uh, invisible hand. Um, so you, <laughs> you've got to... Can he run for our president? He was, 
He was a, a, a libertarian economist and freshman congressman, and he says now Argentina's situation is critical. The changes that our country needs are drastic. There's no place for gradualism. Uh, their annual inflation rate is at 140 um, percent, and uh, they're they're in a mess. But it's interesting here because in this New York Times story, it says markets cheered his election with Argentine stocks and bonds rising on U.S. exchanges. Uh, the Argentine market was closed for the holiday, or for a holiday. Um, even without clarity on what he can accomplish, markets appear to view him as a better economic bet than his mostly leftist predecessors. And then here's the, here's the money paragraph, or lack thereof, for the New York Times. Failed economic policies, including overspending, protectionist trade measures, suffocating international debt, and the printing of more pesos to pay for it, have sent the nation of 46 million people into an economic tailspin. That's what is. That's how things are right now. Ladies and gentlemen in Argentina, brace yourselves for what is to come. For Bill Whittle and Stephen Green, I'm Scott Ott. Thanks to the members at BillWhittle.com, who, along with us, will be watching eagerly events in Argentina.